What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the C-String Podcast. This is episode 20, I believe, nowadays, and uh, we are here for the ninth rendition of everybody's favorite segment, Classic yeah. Rock Talk. We are back. Uh, as always, this has basically become a once-a-week kind of deal. You know, we, uh, the past few weeks, we ran into a few uh, issues trying to get it on time, but... Yeah. Um, Mainly due to schoolwork and stuff, so... Yeah, it's work, school, it's, it's life. It's when like, we get the chance, we do it. We hop on it, yeah. But other than that, you're going to have to wait. It's painful to wait, I know, but we're waiting just as long as you are. So it's painful for both of us. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's get into it. We have no shenanigans, no prefacing like there was last time. We're just going to go straight into oh, it. Oh, actually, I do want to say something, so... Never uh, mind. Yeah, never <laughs> mind. So, uh, funny enough, we... Uh, talked about Emerson, Lake, and Palmer last episode, and it happened to be, um, I think it was Keith Emerson's birthday. Yes, it was Keith Emerson's. Which um, I thought was pretty funny. I just wanted to mention that. Yeah, so it was happy belated birthday. What was, it, what was it? How old was he? Do we even know? He would have been... I forgot. Let's just let's just leave it there. It was he, his birthday. He would have been. He's older now. Something good for him. Um, but that, that besides that, we're ready to get into it. Yes. Now we're getting started. Now we're getting into it. Three brand new bands for you guys today. No repeats. Um, we're going from seventies to eighties. Yes, we are. Getting as much coverage as we can here over our over our timeline. So we're gonna start right at the beginning. February 9th, nineteen seventy was the release date of this album. Um, the le- what was the label? Electra. Electra. Okay. Um, the band is the Doors. Now I'll let you yeah. sit sit on that. So I'll let you sit on the Doors. See if you can't think of what it is because the Doors are pretty popular. So you. Might, I hope I hope you can think of what this be, album is because yeah. it's it's really good. Um, it's Morrison Hotel. Yes. It's a uh, it's a it's a unique one. I say I would say. Yeah. Um, it's definitely the more uh, bluesy side of. The doors kind of going back yeah. to where they came from. Yeah, it was a, it's a, it's a, it's the it's the different album of theirs. They're another band that kind of released a flurry of albums, um, in the late sixties and early seventies. In a very short amount of time. Yeah. Um, but go ahead and get into the band members. All right. Well, the dudes we have are Jim Morrison on vocals, obviously, um, Ray Manzarek on the piano, organ, and attack piano, which I did not know what that was. Do you know what it is now? Sort of. So it's basically they like thumbtacks on like the hammers. So when it strikes the string, it makes like a a bit of a twangier noise. Okay. Because it's say. not just like straight smacking the hammer. Yeah. It's like slipping off of it. And uh, Robbie Krieger on guitar and John Densmore on drums and drums with brushes, which uh, by the way, I just wanted to mention like what an iconic group. <laughs> yeah. Simply because like I don't really listen to the Doors too often, and I can name every one of their members. Mm-hmm. Like their names are just like I wouldn't have been able to. I didn't know. Uh, I wouldn't have been able to know Ray Manzarek's name, like because of how it's pronounced. I would have. Yeah, looking at it's very different than yeah. uh, pronouncing it. I, I will admit. I would have been able to know who he was thinking about him. Like I know who plays piano. I just can't say his name. But I also wanted to highlight the people that weren't in the band but were on the session because uh, Ray Neapolitan on bass guitar, Lonnie Mack on bass on Roadhouse Blues, and then John Sebastian credited as G Pugsley, Puglies, 
on a harmonica on Roadhouse Blues. And um, to all the people that say the Doors did not have a bassist, you're wrong because they did. Yeah. Go back and listen to the studio work. You will <clears throat> hear it. You'll hear it. But uh, John Sebastian from The Loving Spoonful is on this record, which I thought was very <laughs> funny. But uh, yeah. That's it. That's all. That's what we got here. Mm-hmm. Um, let's get, let's go straight into the into the sides into what we got here. This is a twelve. Is this eleven? Eleven. It's eleven. Okay. Let's get started here. Everybody, we're gonna start with side one, and everybody knows we start with Roadhouse Blues, Waiting for the Sun, You Make Me Real, Peace Frog, Blue Sunday, and Ship of Fools. Man, I love Roadhouse Blues, but I do too. But I feel like this side gets better as you keep listening to it. I think my favorite and standout track from this record is uh, Peace Frog. Yeah. I really I like that song. I was going to say uh, Peace Frog and Blue Sunday because they, at least on Spotify, I don't know if it's the same on the record. Don't they intertwine? Yeah. Yeah. So um, Peace Frog, one thing I really like about it is uh, um, Ice Cream Man, Ray Neapolitan's uh, bass playing on it. Mm-hmm. I really, it's really funky and like that. weird. I knew you like I, that. I appreciate that a lot. <laughs> I love when I hear that. And then the lyrics are also kind of dark. It's talking about like a protest. Because I know the one part he talks about blood in the streets up to his ankles. Which, I mean, that's I was not paying attention. Pretty deep. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty deep. I'll have to go back and listen to it. But uh, yeah, Ship of Fools is also one I ended up just. Same with Waiting for the Sun. I also really like that one. Mm-hmm. Ship of Fools, I think, is the weirder one on this side. Yes. Definitely. Ship of Fools is like the crystal ship of this record. I don't know if you've heard that song, but it's really... Uh, it's off their debut, and it's really weird. Mm-hmm. But it it, uh, it kind of confused me. I thought Ship of Fools and Land Ho would be on the same side. Mm-hmm. Or, like, connect. But I guess it makes sense that Ship of Fools ends one side, and then Land Ho starts the next. I guess it does, because they're that does kind of make making sense. the land. Yeah. Anyway, I just spoiled it. Uh, <laughs> side two is Lan Ho to start, then The Spy, Queen of the Highway, Indian Summer, and Maggie McGill. Um, not really too big of a fan of Indian Summer and Maggie McGill. I agree. I, I did like The Spy. The, the Spy is and The Queen of the Highway, I think, are really good. Yeah. The Spy especially. Although, what's the song? Uh, what's the song where he's just talking? He's hardly even singing. I want to see the... Is that Land Ho? Oh, shoot. I don't remember. I don't remember. I, I know exactly what you're talking What's the one that where he's about. going to... Oh, wait. I think this that one's different. That, that's the different album. But the one where he's just kind of talking... Like, he's hardly singing. And he's just kind of talking through the song. Yeah. I think that's Land Ho. Yeah, I can't remember exactly. I can't remember that. exactly which one it is. But, anyways. I thought that was weird. Mm-hmm. But, you know... It's, it's kind of interesting, but I've never really liked that. Although there is a set, there is a situation in one of the later albums we're covered where I do enjoy it because of how funny it is. But we'll get to that later. Yeah. Um. um I want to talk about the uh, cover of this album because it is. Yeah. So it's funny because they're walking down the street and um, they saw this Morrison Hotel, and they're like, "Oh man, we got to get a picture by that." And uh, they walked up to the place and they're like, "Uh." They asked, like, yeah, can we get a picture? And dude's like, yeah, go out, like, get away. No, <laughs> you're not getting a picture. Oh, he said no? And so they're like, oh, okay. So they walked outside, and they watched him. 
I don't remember if he went down the street or something, but I watched the owner walk down the street and they ran across the street and they're like, quick, take the picture, take the picture. And they just like quickly posed in front of like the Morrison Hotel thing. And that's how they got <laughs> that's it. That's how they got the album. <laughs> Which I thought was pretty funny because it was like a go. Oh. But uh, these albums always seem to have funny or at least some sort of interesting background to cover art, songs, whatever. Mm-hmm. This record it. also was kind of the uh, beginning of the downfall for Jim Morrison because um, there were multiple times on uh, tour for this for the last album and this album that he was arrested for... Uh, I can't remember the charges he was pressed on, but um, I think one was public indecency. It's just really weird stuff, and you know, as we know, Jim Morrison would end up dying in really weird circumstances. Yeah, and uh, I think this is yeah kind of a period where it's like very visible that Morrison was heading somewhere. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. Anyways, amazing album. Yeah. Anyways, let's. <laughs> That's I, a bit uh, sour, but yeah, I enjoy this album. I think it, I think Ship of Fools and Into Land Ho is very, it's a very interesting part. The Spy, I think is, in the Queen of the Highway, I think are two really underrated songs, I would say, from this album. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a little bit of B-Side Blues on here, but that's yeah. mainly because I'm just not really a fan of Indian Summer. I don't really know... I don't really understand what they were trying to do with that song. Yeah, it's... I don't know. It's There's no really... There's no... There's not a really a huge combination of instruments. There's not really any prominent vocal things. There's no driving bass. There's, like... There's nothing really you can point yeah, out. It's, it's just kind of, like, flowing, I guess. Yeah. Which is... I don't know. It's, it's Ma- really weird to me. And Maggie McGill is, like... It feels like he just tried to rhyme words. <laughs> <laughs> Maggie McGill, down on the hill... I think it's how it starts, and then it just goes from there. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit it's a bit dull at the end. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, the A-side's pretty ripping. And is. I do like the uh, the blues sound that they present on this album, which is kind of like a drawback to what they started. Because I know the albums before this, I'm not super familiar with the Doors discography, but um, I know the albums before this, they... Uh, they went for a more like experimental approach, kind of like a weird like soft parade. I don't remember the other one. It was kind of a different feel rather than what the door started with. And um, this is them just kind of going back and to what, like, they, yeah. to what they knew, what to they what they best, yeah, to what they probably maybe what they're more comfortable with too. Yeah, um, because you're always told to branch out, but maybe they tried branching out and. It worked, but maybe you're not so comfortable with what they were doing, and they felt more comfortable back in this space. Mm-hmm. I don't really know, but the bluesy twist on a rock, and it is rock because yeah. there's that nice organ. There's a bass in there. There is a bass. Yes, there is. <laughs> it goes nice with the drums. There, it is rock, um, and it's, it has a nice bluesy, bluesy feel to it. Which I also forgot to mention. Uh, you make me real was written in uh, 1966. Really? Mm-hmm. And they just kind of kept it? Or what, like, yeah, what I, happened? I think what happened is they were like, well, I don't think this song kind of lives up to like what we want. So they, I think they left it off their debut. And I think they might have forgotten about it. And then they're like, oh, well, we could just put this on here. And then they decided to record it with this album. And then... Gotcha. But yeah. Okay. I forgot that was something I had kind of read about. Yeah. 
Um, but that that is Morrison Hotel. Again, I I feel like we should touch more on Roadhouse Blues as a song individually. Yeah, I agree. Um, ripping song. I really love uh, Robbie Krieger's guitar solo. Mm-hmm. That's what I was. That's what I was gonna say. That's what I was gonna point out. Very fucking ripping. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, I also love uh, Jim Morrison's vocals when he like yells. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. He's like save our city. Yeah. I really like because he does that a lot. He does that on like Light My Fire. He does that on like individual songs where he won't yell the whole time, and then towards the end he'll just like belt it just out. Just unload. Yeah. yeah, and it sounds really good to me. <clears throat> Which is, yeah, it was kind of unique, and I I certainly loved it. I mean, and then you have, you mentioned uh, Sebastian. Oh, yeah, the, John the Sebastian. Har- the harmonica. From, yeah, from Love and Spoonful. He did a really good job. He did. He did. The song wouldn't be the same without it. No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be the same without it, so he definitely did a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that is uh, Morrison Hotel by The Doors. Yep. Solid album. Solid album. It's, I would say, it fits the time pretty well. It's, it's... I also noticed it does have some psychedelic elements in it, too. It does. That's what I was wondering, was how much, how much of this is psychedelic, and what, what were they thinking with that, and how much was that an inspiration in this album? Because other albums around this time were very inspired by psychedelic sounds, but this album wasn't, it wasn't its main focus, I would say. Yeah, it wasn't like a Jefferson Airplane or no, yeah. something like that where it was like straight at you. It was more of a like, it took a backseat to the blues. Yes, I agree. It was kind of that old age focus with a new age look on it because 1968, 69, 70, 71 kind of be associated with psychedelic mm-hmm. rock and that was sort of a new age thing at the time. Yeah, it was. Um, but that's that's kind of how I felt about this album in general. Yeah, I agree. I I do like the sound of it. Yeah. It sounds pretty good, and I think I like it because I really love their debut. And I love that. I think The Doors did blues rock very well. And, um, yeah. I solid think, album. I think, as far as this is compared to... The, we don't... Well, I don't know. Should we compare it to their debut? We don't really... That's another album, do we? Yeah. <laughs> In terms of sound, it sounds kind of similar. It sounds similar. I will admit that. Yeah. It, but it's not the same. Yeah. We'll just leave it there. We won't. You can divulge that yourself. You can go ahead and listen yeah. to The Doors. Go ahead and listen to both of them yeah. and compare them. And compare them yourself. But that was it. That was Morrison Hotel uh, by The Doors. Yeah. So next, let's move on. We have, um, I'm just going to go ahead and say the band name. We have Fleetwood Mac, and we have an album released in 1973. Not the album you think it is, probably. Oh, yeah, probably not. Because I guarantee you, a lot of people will think it's Rumors. This is uh, actually two years before that lineup would come together. Which is kind of crazy, because this sounds nothing like them. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this is a, I'm going to say a Penguin. Yeah. A Fleetwood Mac. Yep. Released on a reprise. And, uh, yeah, you want to list off the uh, people? Yeah, we'll go, we'll go into the people here. So... We have a couple of Bobs, Bob Welch and Bob Weston. Uh, Bob Welch uh, was guitar vocalist. He was also got the bass guitar there as well. And then um, Bob Weston was lead guitar. And he played banjo and harmonica on track mm-hmm. five. Yeah. Um, and then we have Christine McVie. 
keyboards and vocals, Dave Walker, vocals on four and five. We'll get into the tracks later, we're just, just letting you know. And then John McVie, bass guitarist, and then Mick Fleetwood. Yep. Was the percussionist here. But, um, so Christy McVie, John McVie, and Mick Fleetwood would be the only members of this lineup that would go on to achieve a lot of success with this band. Simply because, you know, Rumors is a pretty good album, but... Yeah. Um, pretty good. Yeah. But let's go ahead, let's get to the, to the actual meat and bones of it here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go ahead. Oh, cool. Um, so side ones, Remember Me, Bright Fire, Dissatisfied, and I'm a Roadrunner. Um, I really like Remember Me. Yeah, it's a really good one. I like the, uh, yeah, the intro with the guitar where it's kind of just doing its own thing is really, really nice. And it really, uh, brings out that, uh, kind of the blues side of Fleetwood Mac, which I like. Um. Those were one really good thing about this era of Fleetwood Mac is um, it wasn't super commercial, but at the same time it was it was still commercial. Like it was kind of just in between there, and it sounded really good. Okay, but uh, I did like uh, Dissatisfied and I'm a Roadrunner. I'm a Roadrunner is a pretty good song to me. I have it on my playlist. That's the seal of approval right there. Yeah. If it makes the playlist, it's when a good it goes song. on my playlist, it's a good, good song. song. Yeah. Um, that side one, we'll get into side two. We have The Derelict, Revelation, Did You Ever Love Me, Night Watch, and Caught in the Rain. Um, I like that, so that makes up a total of nine tracks for those mm-hmm. of you counting. I like how the track, or how this album ends, especially yeah. compared to The Doors um, with Morrison Hotel. I feel a lot more. I feel a lot more emotion went into the last three songs in this album than did the previous ones went over. Yeah, I agree. And the last three songs, um, bangers, honestly. And they go together, yeah? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they go together. The lyrics go to... I, I'm not, I don't pay too much attention, but I'm pretty sure they... they the, there's a story in between. It might even actually be the entire side, too. But yeah, I also like the derelict with the banjo. Yeah. And I always love banjos when banjos are incorporated in rock. Yeah. Never, rarely hear a banjo in rock, but it's a nice, it's a welcoming feeling. Yeah, it is. It's really nice, but yeah, those last three, uh, they hit pretty good. Oh yeah. They sound very good. The mood is very good to me. I I wouldn't say I have a favorite song in this album, but I would say I agree. I would say that I like side two in general more, just because you know I'm I and I enjoy the derelict that that you mentioned and. The last three songs and together I feel so much better really than any other songs in this album at any point. I understand how good Remember Me is and I like Bright Fire too actually. Yeah. And Roadrunner's pretty good as well. Um, but I feel like I've, I have I, I feel more from side two than I do from side one. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty rare for an album to do that but yeah. I don't know. And I don't know what it is about it. Maybe I'll listen to it tomorrow or some a week from now, a month from now, and I'll feel the, a different way about it. But as of right now, I'm quite liking. I'm quite liking what I feel from side two. Yeah, and what's uh, crazy is this album didn't really get much praise, along with like Fleetwood Mac's first like four albums. Just nothing really. Just like they'd get. I kind of looked at their discography and I listened to it. They'd get something. And then they do it the next time and be like, 
and then they wouldn't get anything from it. Like, they'd figure out something new, and they'd be like, let's try this on the album. Nothing. Like, it just, like... <laughs> it wouldn't even perform bad. It was just like, meh. That's... Yeah, I... It was just, like, mediocre. And I think this is kind of the turning point for their band. Because even though this album was caught as, like, man, public eye, it didn't really top charts. It hardly even made it onto some. Um, I think this album was the turning point and to where they kind of discovered what they wanted to be. And, you know, you got tracks like Remember Me and, like, Did You Ever Love Me, Night Watch, Caught in the Rain, I'm a Roadrunner. They kind of define it, and it it gives it, like, a solid ground, I think. Yeah, that's a, that's a good word for it. It has a base to build upon. Mm-hmm. Literally yeah. and figuratively. Yeah. They have a base. John McVie. They have a John McVie. <laughs> yeah, they have a John McVie with them. Uh, yeah, I think that's a good point. And they use this to kind of springboard themselves into what they actually felt like they could write well and succeed with, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, but yeah, that I would agree. I Which, would totally uh, agree. speaking of uh, John McVie... Um, the reason why the album is a penguin, this dude was obsessed with penguins. Don't know why. Um, obviously, John McVie and Christine McVie were married at the time. Um, they would go frequently visit the zoo, and he was on like the John McVie was on like the board and everything. And he would, Christine McVie said he would sit for hours and watch the penguins. Hours. Hours. Okay. Hours in his day, he would. Okay. He'd sit there and watch penguins. All and right. so he was he wanted so bad for the penguin to be like the mascot of the band. Of the, of the band. Well, yeah. he at least got an album out of it and some nice cover art. I was gonna say I do like the cover art. Yeah, it's, I've got it up to my screensaver right now. It's, it's very nice. It's pretty cool looking. Um, I just I thought it was funny that he was just like Yeah, hours of your day. Can obsessed. You that? Yeah, like he literally sit with like binoculars and stuff like that and watch them. That's ridiculous. I mean, I I would spend maybe like 15, 20 minutes like at a zoo mm-hmm. watching him hours and then yeah. going back and doing it again. Yeah, he loved the that's things. That's crazy. Which Good I think I think they lived close to the zoo, but like still, it's it's so. But weird. where did he live? Where do they have penguins? Fucking just out and about in the zoo. It had to be like an enclosed thing where they had. It was like, enclosed, but like it was from a, walking yeah. distance from where John McVie and Christine McVie lived. Like, okay. it was probably, like, five minutes away. Okay. So they just go and they walk, just over, walk there. over there. I guess I didn't... I, when I asked that, I didn't really think about enclosed structures where they could, like, regulate temperature and all that. Yeah. Put water in. Because I'm pretty sure the fucking Henry Dorley Zoo, the one that's in Omaha, has penguins. Within, yeah. In an enclosed place. I wasn't really thinking there anyways. Um, but that's really cool, at least, that, you know, he got he got at least an album out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not the whole dire band, but... Do, you, do we know Fleetwood Mac? Do we know why? I understand Mick Fleetwood is the percussionist. So uh, the Mac's actually the Mick in McVie. In McVie. Okay. Yeah. So, um, sense. yeah, this, uh, I also wanted to highlight Christine McVie because she sings on Remember Me. And um, first time I listened to this song, I could have sworn that was a guy. <laughs> I guess. But just like a I higher can, voice. I can see that. I can see that, yeah. Because guy, because you fucking hear rock artists all the time back in then when they just have higher voices. Yeah, and I was like, oh wow, I, like I was actually kind of blown away when I found out it was Christine McVie. Yeah. But um, 
she uh she also wrote the song which she uh i don't remember the other song she wrote but in terms of fleetwood mac she has a pretty good uh track record of writing bangers all righty so she's a very good songwriter she's good yeah um but yeah that's i guess that's it isn't it yeah we went over the nine songs we went over the it's six band members two bobs two mcvees a dave walker and a and then mcfleetwood and then a fleetwood I, 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 Bob W and Bob W. I, I had no idea. Yeah. I had no clue. I knew, I knew McFleetwood, obviously. And I knew of McVee's. And that's all I knew. I had no idea. Yeah. Of the Bobs. And it's because I think. That's got to be because they. I think Walker was on. Was only on this album for Fleetwood Mac. And I think Welsh would be fired. Two albums from now because he was cheating or uh he got with uh mick fleetwood's wife oh but uh i'm not gonna get into that because that's yeah, we just won't get into that that's it's a mess i kind of read about it and i was like i don't know we don't know we it's okay that's too much to care about yeah we're just here to find good music we're just here to yeah listen to songs yeah. tell you guys about it but that's it i guess that's it for uh fleetwood mac and penguin uh, that's the album name. Go ahead and go search it. Enjoy it. We enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, very solid album. Yeah. Uh, but with that being said, we're going to jump all the way up to 1980 for our next one. Yes. Um, this is an album I had not heard before until you introduced me uh, to it on like Sunday, Monday. I don't know. It was something like that. Somewhere it was recently. Um, so my first taste, and I got to say I liked it, but go ahead and go ahead and get into it it's yeah crazy. so this is a uh, remaining light by talking heads a little bit of new wave um i just recently really got into these guys i knew they were a thing because i listened to like psycho killer but uh yeah this was released on sire records and um i'll get into the band members david byrne everything <laughs> that's what he did by the way um and honestly along with uh on the list what they did primarily but uh with these, with this band, they did a whole bunch of everything. Like just on different tracks, they would do everything. In so them. it's kind of like a. Uh, we went over a band that did that a couple, a couple uh, episodes ago. I can't yeah, I can't remember who it is, but I know exactly who you're talking yeah. about. Um, but um, Jerry Harrison was primarily their uh, guitarist. He did some keyboard work too. Um, Tina Weymouth was their uh, bassist. And uh, she also later got married to Chris France, who was their drummer. So they had a pretty, uh, pretty tight rhythm section. Yeah, going on there. Pretty good relationship there. But uh, yeah, they they would trade on jobs a lot, and um, yeah, they're all really talented. Yeah, I think they're all music school students too. So oh, that's cool. They kind of knew their stuff. It's it's especially telling when everybody in the band does everything. Yeah, and sometimes that can turn out maybe not so great or maybe like there's some confusion or maybe somebody wants to play something where they maybe wants to play something specific and they're been told to play something else or an instrument maybe they don't want to play so maybe it, sometimes it kind of can kind of sound forced yeah i know sometimes it can come off like a uh, roger waters i want it this way mm-hmm. yeah but i definitely don't think it comes off like that in this one no definitely not in this album <laughs> not at all uh, this album, as you mentioned, definitely new wave. 
Yes. Definitely some new wave in here. It's not your traditional classic rock stuff. Very experimental. Yes. Experimental is a great word. Great word. Mm-hmm. Uh, but go ahead and introduce us to the A-side. So, um, side one is Born Under the Punches, The Heat Goes On, um, Cross-Eyed and Painless, and then The Great Curve. So just three songs on this first side, mm-hmm. but I I like them all. I do too. I, especially Born Under Punches, the first one. <clears throat> and I I really like them because they're different. Yeah, they're really it's different to listen different. to. And you get it's it's a it's kind of a slap in the face how different they are. Mm-hmm. You're it's it is 1980, but even I kind of I wasn't really expecting what I got. Yeah, because, you know, there's different, like, prog rock, there's different, as in, like, kind of what the Cars did. This is, like, really different. Yeah, this is not your, this is not your typical stuff here. This and is... it's, uh, it's primarily based because, um, David Byrne at the time was really into, um, like, African-style music. And so he was like, well, I kind of want to incorporate some elements of this into this album and so that's kind of where the weird sound gets it's its its origins Mm -hmm. that's kind of cool yeah i can picture that so it really dove into different cultures and he was like yeah i kind of like this so i can see that with the kind of randomness that's involved with this album i guess i can see i can see that um but uh we'll go on to side two side two is five tracks it's once in a lifetime houses in motion seen and not seen lightning wind and the overload um, once in a lifetime is this is a, is an interesting one. It's the, it's one where it's also another one where um, where the guys just uh, where he's just talking through it. Uh, is, uh, David Byrne, I'm pretty sure. Is yeah, English. he's so. I watched an interview with this, and what he was going off of is he uh, he had recently watched a preacher preach about something. And he thought it was funny, so he was kind of like, yeah, I kind of want to try this too. And, um, of course, the song itself, if you listen to the messages, so when he was asked about it when it was released, he said it was about drowning. The song talks about, instead of like drowning in water, it's drowning in life, just fitting in, just letting the water flow and take you somewhere. And I thought that was a really powerful message hidden. In, yeah, in, in the song. Um, I only knew of this song once I heard it because somebody I watch on YouTube, whenever he repeats something or whenever somebody repeats something or has to repeat something or any any circumstance, he'll just he'll just say same as ever, same as it ever was, yeah. same as it ever was. He'll just say that like three or four times in a row. Mm-hmm. Or like when he's reading text and somebody repeats something, he'll just say it like four. Because in this song, he says it like 34 yeah, times. Yeah, it's like the same as it ever was. Yeah. <laughs> just repeats it over and over again. But uh, yeah, it's such a powerful song. And I really like that he described it as drowning. Yeah. Because it can also be taken a couple different ways. Yeah. And um, I really like it. I Let, it's kind of that idea of letting your, letting your audience create the image in their head. Instead of just telling him what the image is. Mm-hmm. I also really like the music video. It's weird. I've not seen it. It's very strange. I spend so much time listening to these songs, I can't possibly also watch a video. 
Well, most of the stuff we do, I'd say, doesn't really have, like, music, official video, videos. Videos that go to it. Yeah. This is late enough to where it's like, yeah, they it did. Could, yeah. Um, but I guess I should probably mention a couple of the other songs, too. Yeah. Um, Seen and Not Seen. I enjoy that one as well, mm-hmm. uh, along with Lightning Wind. Or Listening Wind. Sorry, not Lightning Wind. Listening Wind. <clears throat> I honestly like this B-side. I do, too. I can't... I, I don't think I'm, I could pick a song on here that I don't think is meh. Yeah. They're all different. They're all... I unique. can say that with the whole album. The honestly. whole album, yeah. Honestly, yeah. And I like that a lot. It Yeah. It continuously re-engages you Definitely, on another level. Yeah. yeah. I, I would say no, no point are you disengaged from this album at all. Yeah, it leaves you guessing like, ooh, what's going to come next? Like, yeah. what, what sound's going to be here? You know, it's... Which is kind of... Some people don't like that, which I understand. Like, some people, maybe they don't like... I know some people that don't like jazz, and I ask them why, and they're like, well, it's so random. I don't know what's coming next. Like, that's the point of jazz. The jazz is kind of like, oh, you're kind of playing notes in the wrong order. And, and it's just kind of flowing. Yeah, and people don't like that. Well, this, is not, this isn't jazz, obviously, but it kind of has the same feel where you don't know what's coming next. So mm-hmm. I guess if I can understand the viewpoint of somebody who doesn't like randomness. I could, understand, I could see why they wouldn't like this album. Yeah. I can see why people wouldn't enjoy it. I'm not somebody that doesn't enjoy that. I, I quite like this album. But this is this is an album. There are some al- albums out there where like, how could nobody like this? But this one, I could see. I could see somebody not enjoying it purely because of the nature of the album. Which, yeah, that's kind of what uh, I have here is... Uh, when it was released, it was also kind of in a mass stage. Okay. Um, the singles in particular kind of flopped. Okay. But I can see that. I mean, yeah. It has since like garnered a following. Like it, it wasn't a shadow that lasted very long on it, but um. Uh, people, you know, when they first listened, they're like, "This is really weird." And then I think it's because they didn't really understand what the Talking Heads were, which is understandable. Because they'd had two albums before, but they weren't. I don't think the talking heads broke out of their comfort zone until their album until before then. this one. And then it kind of fully faced itself here. Yeah. Which is understandable when you don't know what a band is and then they all of a sudden come out with this. Well, I guess the previous album and then they kind of reinforce it with this one. I guess you should, by this point you should, I feel like you should kind of have an idea at least. Which yeah. And their album they released after this got huge success. Okay, yeah. So I think that's why people also kind of understood like, Oh, this is, what this band is. They like being funny and experimenting with their sound. Yeah. Like, I think, I just don't think people initially got it. Yeah. Um, which, again, as far as I'm concerned, it makes sense. Yeah. It can make sense. And I, I love it. Yeah. I love it for that. I love that it continues. It's one of those albums where I'm kind of like curious as to what's going to happen next. Yeah. What, what are they, what are we going to say about it five years now from now? How many people are going to talk about it then? Or how many yeah. are going to been listening to it by then? Because it's an interest. It's an odd, oddball case where it's only getting more popular mm-hmm. as it as it keeps living. Yeah, now the Talking Heads are insanely popular. Yeah, um, it's weird when you make all these hits and albums in the early days of your career, career, and then in the twilight they all get popular, and all of a sudden everybody knows about you. Yeah, everyone knows. Fifty who you years are. down the road, now everybody knows who you are. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's very crazy. Weird how that worked out. 
Yeah. <clears throat> I guess there were, in 1980, there was a lot of alternatives to listen to at this point. You had a lot of different things you could listen to. And maybe the talking heads at this point seemed kind of niche. I think so. I don't know. I think it could be kind of like a prog rock thing. Maybe. Whereas, like, prog rock's a very hit or miss genre. And I think that's kind of how the talking heads were at this point. Is yeah. They weren't necessarily focused on being commercial. They were focused on being artistic. Being Yeah, being who they wanted to be, mm-hmm. essentially. Which, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. That's good. More, more, more praise to you. That's basically how everybody should should operate. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that is Remain in Light, the album, by the band The Talking Heads. Yes, very chatty. Very chatty. Um, David Byrne, I would remember that name. Man, that guy does everything. Yeah, he does. Um, really cool when bands can just interchange their members. I fucking, I can't remember what album we did. It had the same fucking deal. I can't remember I either. I feel like but an yeah, idiot. I feel it, like a damn idiot, dude. If I had the list of albums in front of me, I could pick it out. But I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. You you know. We know. It, yeah. We'll, we'll, fu- we'll figure it out. Anyway, that's it. That's, that's it. All, that's all we got. That's the three bands for you guys today. Hope you guys enjoyed that. That was um, that was pretty fun. It was it was a little different. Um, obviously, with Remain in Light, very different. Yeah. From what we're usually listening to, very. But it's gonna be different when you get into the eighties. Mm-hmm. I would say. Eighties were another change. Yep. So it's not gonna be everything we always enjoy or is our favorite. But at least it's at least uh, I liked what I got today and out of this album. Yeah, I agree. I I like it. Definitely. And I liked all three of the albums all today. Three, yeah. Penguin and Morrison Hotel as well. Go check all of these guys out. Um, I'm sure they would appreciate it. I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Probably. probably. Probably would appreciate that. <laughs> I would appreciate it, so I'm assuming they would. Um, but yeah, that's going to be it. That's going to do it for today's episode um, of Classic Rock Talk. I hope you guys enjoyed. Yep. And we will see you guys probably in the next few... Well, it might be five or six days because maybe we do our we're gonna do our our twenty eighth, twenty ninth, and thirtieth albums next time, which means we'll have thirty albums done, and after that we will do a a little tier list, I guess we could call it, or a ranking system mm-hmm. uh, where we will order, sort of um, vaguely order our favorite to not so favorite albums uh, that we've covered so far. Yeah. So maybe we will give you guys a super long episode and do those together, and we can. I think that makes the most sense. I think it would because we'll get because well half the episode will be us going over the three bands and then the other half can be oh we'll we'll rate them all that way you guys can have a refresher of everything that we covered going into I guess we could call it part two where we do the next thirty bands. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's next time. Yeah. That's next time. Hope you guys enjoyed this time, um, and we'll see you guys in probably about a week or so when we have those new bands to go over and cover our lists. So we'll see you then. Yep, Bye-bye. See ya.